Hello. Can you hear us? I can hear you just fine. What's up, Will? What's going on? I just got into my hotel. I am in, uh, I'm in, I'm in Reagan country. They have like a B-52 bomber. It's like the signature thing from the debate stage. It's like a bomber hanging from the ceiling. God bless America. Hello, my fellow Americans. Today we are coming to you live from the stage of the Republican debate, where once again Donald Trump just couldn't help himself and called Jeb Bush a lying... No, wait a minute. Wrong podcast. Here we go. Hey there, college football fans. Yeah, that's better. Welcome to episode 9 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. My name is Scott Duvall. Today, I'm joined in studio by Tony Waller, a.k.a. Tyler Dogden on Twitter. And our other fine co-host, Will Leach, is out in Simi Valley, California, where he was covering last night's Republican debate for Bloomberg Politics. But here in Athens, the dogs will be on stage this weekend as they make their own pitch to stay in the race for the SEC's nomination as they welcome in rival Steve Spurrier and his South Carolina Gamecocks to Sanford Stadium for what will surely be an electric atmosphere at 6 p.m. on ESPN. Stay tuned for news and notes of the Bulldogs as Tony and Will give their in-depth analysis. Our WSLS Podcast Week 3 Pick'em Contest is open for your votes. And later in the show, the three of us will give our picks of the week. If this weekend goes anything like last weekend, there will surely be some upsets around the country, forcing candidates for the college football playoff to question whether or not they're really still in the race. Will Ole Miss roll into Tuscaloosa and defeat Alabama for the second year in a row? Can Paul Johnson and his Yellow Jackets trek on up to South Bend and knock out a suspect 2-0 Notre Dame team, who unfortunately lost starting quarterback Malik Zaire for the season last weekend? And Louisville is 0-2 as the Tigers of Clemson pay a visit to Papa John's Stadium Thursday night. Strangely enough, the Cardinals are still candidates for the ACC nomination. Can the ticket of Petrino and Grantham revive their campaign? Or will they soon be announcing their run as a little-known third-party candidate for the Quick Lane Bowl up in Detroit? That's a real bowl game. I looked it up. Enough of the political analogies. Here's the show. What I'll do is I'll get us started now... I must admit, we are recording this once again through Skype. As Will mentioned, he is out in Los Angeles at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library for the Republican debate. Yes, in Simi Valley. So the rest of you have all heard what, uh, how it went. Hopefully you will go to Bloomberg Politics and read my recaps of how it went. But no, neither rain nor shine nor Trump will keep me from this podcast, except next week, Illinois will keep me from this podcast. But not this week. This week, I am ready because it's South Carolina. It's a big game. It is a big game, but since I have spent probably the majority of my afternoon trying to figure out how to patch in two separate microphones and record via Skype, I have not done my homework, Tony. And so I'm going to lean on you for (laughs) all of your, and and Will, for all of y'all's knowledge on anything related to Gamecocks. And Will, I'm wondering, do you have your 10... Things ready because I saw on Twitter somebody uh, requested that you bring that back. Yeah, but, but I, I responded to them saying I'm only going to do that for the non-SEC schools because the idea that I, as a Yankee, would come to you guys and say, hey, here are 10 factoids about these schools that you've known since you were children, to me struck me as a bit presumptuous. So yeah, we'll they- be back next week. I will pre-record both my minute, Illinois Minute, and I will record my 10 things to learn about Southern, which I believe is actually the first historically black school that Georgia has ever played in football. So that will be one factoid. As long as they bring their band, I'll be happy. I have no doubt that they will bring the band. So, Tony, we've got South Carolina. We've got the Gamecocks. I'm a little bit frightened by it since they did lose to Kentucky, like Will said in the Vanderbilt wrap-up show. 
I agree with him where I would have preferred them to just kind of eke by Kentucky and still think that they're big, bad, and awesome South Carolina, who has won four out of the last five versus Georgia. I must say, I'm, I'm a little bit worried. I don't even know what the number is for this week. But, uh, Tony, I'm going to lean on you for the news of the week with, as it pertains to Georgia. And you know, maybe go ahead and start our preview of the South Carolina Gamecocks. Well, as was predicted by one of us, uh, Kentucky did win. Uh, I had to get that in there. Um, but, uh, you know, the, I think the question remains quarterback. We talked about this in our uh, Vandy Wrap-Up podcast. And the continuing concern, there's been a lot of chatter, is how much will Bryce play? How much will Lambert play? Coach Rick made some comments to the effect of, you know, Brian Schottenheimer is doing what I asked him to do and keeping the vanilla and also running the ball a lot. There are plenty of passive victories for South Carolina. And the South Carolina-Georgia game, like it seems like the anytime we play Vandy in Nashville, something wacky goes on. You know, they had their game of the year against us last year um, in in Columbia. Uh, this year, uh, this year their defense is down. Their offense is down. They lost their starting quarterback, Connor Mitch. Actually, just got out of the hospital today on Tuesday because he also had a hip contusion he suffered against North Carolina that got infected um, that they discovered when he went in for a separated shoulder. Uh, Perry Orth is going to come in. Now, Orth did a serviceable job against a Kentucky team that was really looking for them to pass some. Of course, he threw an interception at the end that cost them the game. Uh, well, I guess it cost them the game. It, I guess he didn't, he didn't personally throw a pass that was worth 24 points, but Orth is a little bit of a different quarterback than Connor Mitch, but there's also a reason Connor Mitch beat out Perry Orth. It's not because, like at Georgia, Lambert beat out Ramsey because of this definable side of things, because Steve Spurrier liked Connor Mitch more. It'll be really interesting to see what happens, especially as quick as our defense is. Hey, South Carolina hadn't seen anything like what we have on the edges uh, defensively. They haven't seen anything like what we uh, are going to bring against them in the run game. Uh, North Carolina's run game is, is good, but not what Georgia's is. Uh, Kentucky's run game looked really good at times, and they're certainly not what Georgia has. So looking at what the key matchups are going to be, it will be offensive line versus defensive line when South Carolina has the ball because I, Spurrier loves throwing the football against Georgia. I mean, he, he would score 1,000 points against us if he could. I don't think he can. As far as the news goes this week, I think the Nick Chubb limping after the ballgame hubbub died down rather quickly when he showed up for practice yesterday and played a full practice. Coach Rick never even brought up other. He was dinged up. He's good to go. We suffered no other, no other injuries, which is what you want out of a game where you win by 14, 17 points on the road against uh, SEC oh, yeah. team. No news continues to be good news. We could spend all day talking about the quarterback situation. To be perfectly honest, we didn't look great throwing the ball last year against South Carolina. We had a drive pass. I think we only we had one long touchdown pass, which was returned for a phantom holding call. And, and Gurley's touchdown run that was called back for holding. Yeah, yeah. So South Carolina always seems to play us really well. I don't really care about for the last five. This isn't a situation where it was Florida was in our heads like they were in the 90s and early 2000s. They've just happened to have a little better team than we had really every year but last year. Right. Will, what do you think? The thing that makes me nervous about this game, you know, I said in the podcast last week that I would be more nervous about this game if South Carolina lost to Kentucky, which is kind of a joke, but it happened. To me, this feel, this whole season feels like we're going to find out what is going on with Steve Spurrier. 
you saw, you know, during the offseason at the end of last year, as much as they struggled, he kind of seemed to leave the door open at first about whether he was going to come back, and that's something that was up to me. And by leaving that door open, of course, every single person recruiting against South Carolina said, he's going to be gone. You don't want to go there. And I think they saw the ramifications of that. So Spurrier comes back, and he's all fiery in the offseason. I mean, we talked to this in the first podcast. He's all fiery about, uh, goes into the ESPN car wash and says, nobody respects South Carolina and so on. And he feels like, he's like, we are doubling down. We are go- going forth, and we're going to get this thing going because I'm Steve Spurrier, damn it. And then they lost home to Kentucky. The number of questions that have to be surrounding him there after a loss at home to Kentucky, I might add, I might remind you, are so great that there's a part of me that wonders if there's going to be like a wounded animal feel to Spurrier in this game. If there is anything he can anything he can throw out of the bag to pull this off, you can erase that loss of last week and then some with something this week. You know, Georgia is clearly the better team. I think Georgia was the better team last year, and that's the worry here. Is you know, is this like after the North Carolina game last year? Is is this after? Uh, excuse me, the Texas A&M game last year. But of course, that also begs the question. We saw in the wake of that loss whether the players are even listening to him. You know, you saw the idea of players kind of tossing out some criticism of Spurrier, which is something you would have almost never imagined in the past. It feels like Spurrier and South Carolina, Spurrier specifically, and really as we know it, are going to be forever changed because of this season. This game seems enormously important to him, even more so than the way it's usually important to him to beat Georgia. Yeah, you're exactly right. And if this game were in Columbia, I'd be a whole lot more nervous. But I think with a 6 o'clock start, that helps us. A noon start would have really played against Mm -hmm. us. There's really nobody that I can pull out of my hat to be able to call out on defense for South Carolina just because I don't know anybody on their defense. But the two names that worry me that really could change this game are Wilds at running back and then Pharaoh Cooper at receiver because if they got hot or if they got rolling, I mean, think about Vanderbilt this past weekend. They ran twice as many plays as we did, and all it would take is just a mental lapse or a defensive line that's gotten tired, you know, one or two big plays, and then we're starting to get sweaty palms, start pressing, And that's the only path to victory I see for South Carolina. And I don't think that'll happen, but I think that's really the only way that it could get a little sideways for Georgia. Yeah, and Will, to kind of think a little bit about what you said, there's an analogy out there of of Spurrier almost looks like Danny Glover in uh, Lethal Weapon. He's just like, he is just tired of this. The hard part for Steve Spurrier is he has put himself in a position of almost either having to go back on what he said with his impromptu stairwell press conference or actually admit I've lost this team. Uh, that's not said they've lost the team. Now they come into here and don't play us well. And we, we beat them the way we beat Vanderbilt or worse. If we beat them 31 to 17 and they really don't score a touchdown until the last end of the last quarter. And that game's not really ever in real danger of a South Carolina victory. Is going to get ugly in a hurry with their fan base because whether he likes it or not, he's built their expectations up. It is not hard to see after the North Carolina game and the Kentucky game that 2015 South Carolina Gamecocks are a different team than the 2012, 13, and 14 Gamecocks, even the 2014 Gamecocks. Now, I realize it's a small sample size to say that about 2014, but they looked a whole lot less competent on defense, and they're young on defense. I mean, you know, they start a guy with one letter at uh, the right side cornerback, left side cornerback is one letter as a sophomore. They have a, a transfer 
uh, starter at free safety. Their strong safety is their most experienced D back. You know, and then you look at where they are with their rushing defense. They're at the bottom of the conference at like giving up five point seven or eight yards per carry. Now they have played two legit teams. That, you know, they haven't played, for instance, Nickel State and Fresno or whoever it is Mississippi has played, but they also have not looked extra competent at moving the football against a North Carolina team that gave up exactly the same number of points against whoever it was they played. It feels like South Carolina is teetering on the edge right now, like across the board from the fan base, from Spurrier being involved with this program. Like, bless his heart, you know, the idea when he came back, when he went to South Carolina, he got them better than they, they probably should have been. But, like, remember, last year was supposed to be the year. It's, all, it's funny, last year went so bad for them that everyone's forgotten that, like, last year was the year that he was cocky going into the year. And everyone's like, this could be the year that not only they win the East, but maybe win the SEC. And everything fell apart, and everyone is questioning everything there, including the players on Spurrier. To me, South Carolina feels like Spurrier needs a win or something positive out of this, or it's just, it's going to get out of control there. They are not in a position to have moral victories at this point. Right. They go 0-2 uh, in the SEC. There is no path for them to get to Atlanta. I mean, zero path. Even the most, like, rose-colored glasses among their fan base can't possibly imagine they're going to Atlanta. And for that matter, going 0-2 with one of those losses to be Kentucky, even if Kentucky looks like they're going to be much better I mean, you really are looking at your very best hope is to play something like the Independence Bowl for a bowl game or being not even bowl eligible. So thank goodness for them. They they beat North Carolina, snuck up and beat North Carolina because if they were staring at this thing as 0-2, they would be in such whatever wacky mindset. Now, I don't disagree with you uh, about Steve Spurrier, you know, them being a little more dangerous loose in Kentucky. But having said that, you know, Steve Spurrier is always going to have his best coaching effort against Georgia. You know, whether or not that spot design or not, it's just you look over the past what twenty five years of his career. I mean, I think he had a quote when he play, when he coached for the Redskins, he wished he could play Ray Golf in Georgia again. You know, we, I think he said something like he wished Ray Golf coached the Cowboys. I think that's what he said. <laughs> what a um, so yeah, and I think there's some people out there that are cowboy that that hate the Cowboys uh, that much too. But the fact of the matter is, is that. We're going to get their best effort. I mean, two years ago was, what, a 41-30 win at home, and it really didn't feel that close. But uh, our defense was not nearly as good as it was two years ago than it is this year. And you look at what they want to do with the football, we match up really well with them defensively. They don't try a whole lot of hurry up, although it remains to be seen with Perry Orth what they're going to do. I would expect to see Spurrier try to air it out a fair amount because – Frankly, if you look at what we're susceptible to as a quick passing game, Spurrier is kind of the fun and gun guy. They still huddled. And uh, it's not that they can't run the read option or no huddle, which is really where Georgia had some trouble against Vandy last year or last week. Uh, basically, you know, a three, three receiver route tree where you're basically asking the quarterback to call out coverage and then guys get open. That's not South Carolina's game. That doesn't mean they can't install it this week because Steve Spurrier is a really smart offensive coach. You know, when I was watching the Monday night game last night with the Falcons and the Eagles, if you saw it, the Falcons pretty much shut them down in the first half. And then that third quarter where the Eagles came to life, Chip Kelly, all he was doing was he was letting the aggressiveness of the Falcons get upfield a little bit. And then he was targeting, you know, the short crossing routes over the middle and just dinking and dunking to the, you know, wheel routes to the running back and then, you know, the slot receiver. And I think that's kind of what Tony said. If there is 
a way that that offense is going to get going, it's going to be where they use the aggressiveness of, the, of our D-line to their advantage and either run right at Floyd or Jenkins, run a draw up the middle, or go to the quick passing game. But, I mean, we've got Nick Chubb, we've got Sonny Michelle, and despite our lack of progress at quarterback so far, it's just a couple of snaps and a couple of zone reads away from getting it back on, on schedule to Malcolm Mitchell and Reggie Davis. So I think that we're, we're looking good. I think any kind of worriness from Will's part or Tony's part or my part is just the fact that we're Georgia fans, and it's almost like we've seen it happen before, and we're just kind of holding our breath almost like Larry Munson would do. Yeah, and listen, I, I hate to be the Cassandra uh, at quarterback again, but I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. i got to tell you, it's funny. I know it's been a few days now, and we're like, listen, we, we ended up winning that game fairly handily, and, and Rick does, doesn't seem worried, and Schottenheimer doesn't seem worried, and I get all that. But i I got to tell you, I, I'm going to need to see more out of Lambert to erase that first half from my mind. And remember, it wasn't just the 0 for 5. It was the jitteriness. It was the being very slow to make reads. The thing that worries me still about Lambert is not that he didn't play well. It didn't look like he didn't, he play, didn't play well because he was just having an off day. It looked like there were fundamental things. Maybe he was just having an off day and he's going to step up and have this. But, like, frankly... We've talked about how it's going to step up and bite them at some point. It's probably not South Carolina, but I feel like it's more likely South Carolina than Vanderbilt. Uh, so certainly I think there needs to be, if anything, we need a better answer from him because we're not going to get it from Southern, and then Alabama's here. So you know yeah. the, the idea that this is the last time we're really going to see if he can take a step forward. Yeah, and I think part of the concern that I share with you, Will, is that the things we saw out of him are things you see out of a freshman quarterback, and that's exactly what some people have said that they thought Lambert got the starting position. Now, what the coaches have said and what you hear, I was listening to Chip Towers from the AJC this morning on a different podcast, and he was saying, I've seen in practice, Lambert is absolutely the best of the quarterbacks at recognizing coverages. Now, so if that's actually the case, and then he's still having trouble with coverages, either you know, Derek Mason's a good defensive coordinator, but I don't think Fandy really showed a whole lot, you know, weird trick stunt stuff that we you would expect to see out of a, a Kirby Smart defense or defense or Kirby Smart Nick Saban defense or or even some other defensive uh, players. Uh, if for no other reason, it's because you don't have uh, the athletes to do that at Vanderbilt. You have to play a little more base coverage. If that's the case, at some point as an offensive coordinator, you have to recognize that. You don't have a starter that can run your that can can run your checkoffs, and you got to script plays out and hope they're open or say throw it away, and then go to the second down and live on to the next play. One other thing I noticed looking over it at South Carolina's defensive passing stats, one third of every time their defense is in a first down situation, they've given up a first down. That's the perfect time to throw the ball because you you basically you know it's, the whole playbook's open at that point. It wouldn't surprise me in the least if we come out and see some more throwing on first down. It seemed like we waited until we got an obvious passing downs to throw uh, some last time, although the Ramsey uh, play-action pass was uh, was on a first down play. It will be really interesting to see to me if we ha- don't have a couple of, you know, almost playground plays drawn up. Basically, everybody everybody go deep, somebody get open. You know, because Lambert, we know, can throw the ball. And it, it, if it's just a really a matter of getting, his, uh, getting the Turk off his back, I mean, as an offensive coordinator, you got to figure out what plays your guy can can run that you can actually do that with. 
I still and I, I and again, this will be the last thing I say about it. This is a team we've talked. We this whole podcast from the very first show, we've talked about the idea that Rick is gearing up. Tony, we've talked about the changes that he's made in recruiting and the changes that he's made in the staff. And, you know, in the new practice facility. This the whole idea has been set up that like Rick understands. Georgia needs to get that title. They need to get in the playoffs. And he's changed the way he's done things. And you can see it. You can see it in the running backs. You can see it in the linebacks. There's so much talent, so much on, on, on both sides of the ball. And, and, and also there's a joystick that, that pops up on, on special teams that can blow a game wide open. There's so much going for this team that I just keep harping on the quarterback because if we look back at this season and say, Oh, that should have happened. That was the year that could have went. It will be because of that position. So until I see that improve, I'm going to keep harping on this. Well, I think your point's well taken, and that is the only reason why I haven't had a like a full level three meltdown about what's going on offensively. Is that this is the one thing that I look back on and look at and say, okay, Rick is kind of doing the old Rick. You know, we're just you know we're just going to do what it takes to win. Blah blah blah, and. There's something about this, and I could be proven wrong this week. There's something about this that makes me think that he's kind of kept this team under wraps because he he's been able to, or felt like he's been able to. I also get that he is not. I mean, he's not going to make a decision because we on the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast thinks he should make a decision. But he also has to be cognizant of the fact that at some point they're going to say, "Hey, you know what? We're going to rush nine, and if you get a guy open, you're just going to beat us." And we felt we like our chances because, and at some point that's going to pay off for a team if we if we can't open it up. So I, I have to think our offense is going to become a little more dynamic and maybe not to the extent all of us would like to see. But I also have to think that we saw last year it didn't have to be super dynamic to work. It just had to be enough to keep defenses honest. And the quarterback play sure seems to be the reason why we haven't been there. But I also say that at some point if we don't call plays where we're trying to go downfield and i think we only look like only one or two of those we had last week at some point you, you just got to kind of take the reins off and say chunk it son let's see what happens i just want to freak out about lambert some more no no i'm done i'm done i'm done, I'm done. just kidding well i i do want to talk for a brief second about south carolina what they're going to try to do on offense basically they have they have two playmakers they have pharaoh cooper they have brandon wilds and you know it's no secret at all what they're going to try to do offensively. Pharaoh Cooper is their leading receiver. Brandon Wilds is their second leading receiver. Um, Brandon Wilds is their leading rusher. Pharaoh Cooper is their second leading rusher. So basically, you know, you have to think that Pruitt's thinking, okay, we're going to bracket cover Pharaoh Cooper. We're going to put everybody else, basically on an island, and we're going to bring pressure from all corners using Carter, Jenkins, and Floyd. Although, you know, Floyd dropped back into coverage at one point. I nearly had a pick. Uh, that was really impressive. Of course, he, he's playing the star position, so you would expect to see him back there some. But, you know, I wouldn't also, it wouldn't surprise me to at least see our defensive line get a few more, uh, a few sacks. Uh, Kentucky's defensive line, especially in the first half, had a lot of success putting pressure up the middle uh, on Mitch. I couldn't tell you because basically Orth's um, passing game, I think they basically said, here, Perry, run these plays. And by the way, Perry Orth sounds an awful lot like a guy you treated, uh, ch- you know, cheated in high school off of for like tree or chemistry, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not like an SEC quarterback. No, 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 no. No, no it's, or, it's not like Grayson Lambert, John McCrary. That, that or potentially the alter ego of a Superman villain. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Young Perry Orth was always picked on as a child until the meteor came. <laughs> and then he would. I can't remember where we are. You know, I mean, 
I don't know if this spectacular. Is, I don't know if this is a segue or not, but Wes Lunt also sounds like one of those type of guys. Yeah, well, Wes Lunt, Lunt sounds like something that if you don't stop scratching, it's never going to hear. Oh yeah, no, yeah, that he sounds like. Oh, we should play. We should play a game. Uh, old school NASCAR driver or disease. Wes Lunt. That's one Dick Trickle. They're, Dick they're Trickle. All pals. Excellent, yeah, excellent. So what we'll do is we'll wrap that part up, and we've got our pick'em contest. So if we want to go through our picks for the I, week, I think we should point out who among the three of us did best this week. Uh, I, I quit. I quit watching when I saw. I think I went five and eight or yeah, something. Yeah, I had a rough week. I, I undoubtedly had a rough week this week. How, I, how did you do, Tony? I had a spectacular week. Thank you for asking, Scott. <laughs> I was tenth. I've moved all the way up to twenty sixth after my being at eighty ninth. So Will's Will's statement that it's early is so true. Uh, to be fair, though, I picked Oklahoma. I picked Kentucky. Uh, I picked Notre Dame and seemed so close there. Wow. Um, uh, there was I had one other game that y'all were like you just looked you at me. Oh, I picked, no, I picked uh, I picked Houston over Louisville. That's right, I, but I pick I pick Western I pick Western uh, Michigan. That's the one where I blew it. Yeah, and that wasn't even close. No, that was that was a blowout. So, yeah. did you notice who the overall leader is? I think I mentioned her on yeah. the last podcast. Yep, yep. Carrie Loud at UGA. Carrie, uh, there's a bunch of friends of the old, old school friends of the Georgia Sports Blog up there too. I noticed. Uh, yeah, uh, Evil Rick, uh, uh, Rick Flair. Uh, it's a couple of guys still up there doing really well. So we appreciate everybody playing. So uh, since I have to listen from oh you pulled it up okay Scott I'm sorry well I mean we can we can back and forth it if we need to. ooh that didn't sound good um, <laughs> we well, can, Will's not here so yeah <laughs> careful with yeah, my West Lunt we've got the lights off <laughs> we've got the lights off up here it's just uh, quite cozy um, so yeah we'll start out with uh, the game that I have at the top is uh, Clemson with a P isn't it with a P Clemson yes Clemson with a P after the M and a P before the uh, never mind. At Louisville, Louisville, man, they are zero and two. They've looked terrible, and it is awesome. Yeah, and the, the bloom is off the Grantham Rose there. By the way, <laughs> yeah, you said what? Wait till we uh, wait till year wait three. Till year three, <laughs> and it's already like year one and a half, and he's just doing awful. So Clemson is favored by basically a touchdown at Louisville. Will, what do you think? Yeah, Louisville. It's funny. I want to give Louisville more credit because. Like, obviously, they started 0-2 and it's not going well. But it's not like they pl- – like, I was going to say it's not like they play nobody. But, like, you, unless you assume Alabama is actually an equal team to Jacksonville State, which I don't. That, like, they played – like, listen, there's a lot of teams that we're all excited about right now. If they, that, if they were to start their seasons with Auburn and a Houston team that is, who has a coach who's going to be a coach uh, – who's, who's going to get promoted up to coach a pretty solid team here next year. Uh, they, they play a tougher schedule than most people. Now they get Clemson. It's a it's a rough way to start, uh, particularly because a large part of their problem is offense. Uh, obviously, we love put, we love making fun of uh, 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 Grantham, but like you know, Petrino is the the genius part of him is not working, and uh, so it's it's worrisome for me to have them go and zero two. It feels like you know, for a lot of people, a lot of people thought Louisville was a sleeper ACC title team specifically because this game was at home, and you can imagine if they would have gotten uh, one or, one or two of these wins. Realize Louisville season is not over for as far as they're concerned because they haven't lost in the ACC yet. It's kind of like that Tennessee idea. Like Tennessee's not really doomed because they can st- Louisville can still win the ACC. But unfortunately for them, I do not think it's going to work out for them. I am picking Clemson. Oh, well, I know we don't take the points, but I would take the points. Yeah, I think I agree with you. And the biggest issue that I see is besides the points is that Clemson uh, Clemson's offense is just going to be a little too much for their their offense. Um, that's what happened with them against Houston. Uh, they held Houston in check for three quarters, and then Houston suddenly got on track offensively. Uh, and that's Clemson's offense is better than theirs, and they're frankly their defense is better. 
I don't really know how much better Auburn's offense is or defense is, but <laughs> I, I love any time I can make double snark with Auburn and Louisville. So that's that's so awesome. But yeah, I, that game feels like it could it could be close fairly early. I mean, Papa John's Stadium is going to be very loud for for a stadium that only holds forty six thousand people or whatever that holds. It's just a really pretty pretty little cute stadium there on the interstate in Louisville. But Clemson's going to win this game going away by my pick and. It's hard not to. That's a Thursday night game, by the way. If you are uh, listening to this and you haven't gotten your picks in yet, uh, you got to get them in before 7.30 uh, Eastern time Thursday night or you will not be able to submit for this game. Yes. I am also going to pick Clemson, but I'm more worried, or actually I'm wondering more about what Clemson might wear. Might they pull out the road purple uniforms with the orange helmet? That's a good look. Uh, I know, I'm sure Louisville will wear dark at home, but... You know, if they go Angry Birds, it might be Angry Birds versus Clemson's alternate purple color. I don't know. But uh, I'm going to go with Clemson because I have a good friend of mine who I used to work with, and he played for Clemson back under Danny Ford in the late 80s. And he was known to have blocked two punts against Maryland one day. He wore number 32. His name is Mitch Belton. I think he's a podcast listener. I mean, we've all blocked two points against Maryland. Right. We've all point. blocked two points. Yeah, you're right, Tony. You're right. That, that's true. So it kind of mitigates that. But, yeah, since I've got a good friend of mine named Mitch, if he's listening, shout out to you. I'm taking your Tigers as well. So the next game we've got is Florida State at Boston College. Will, did you hear what happened to Boston College last week? I, I did. What do you think about how they started running 10-minute quarters? <laughs> I, you know, there, listen, I have watched enough Illinois football games in the last few years. I would have liked a lot <laughs> of 10-minute quarters if I'd have had the opportunity uh, to watch them. But, uh, I mean, they could have legitimately gone into 100. Uh, I mean, it's, it's more, poor Howard. I mean, like, why? It's, that's just a tough position to put them in. Yeah. They've, they've, only, they've opened their season with two FCS schools, and now they've got to play Florida State. So even though they've blown doors and they're 2-0, are they prepared? Oh, are they prepared for Florida State? Of course. Of course they are. Now, I'm not really sold in Florida State. It's crazy to me that they're number six. Like, it feels like that's like a lot of... If we're Florida State's at number six, you're going to be able to afford to get a loss or two. <laughs> it's still, I still get up there because I don't think it's number six team in the country. But I also think that it's always fun. Who do you root for? It's Florida State and all of the problems that they have there or a team that, won, that could have won by 150 and probably would have won by 150 last year. I see no way not to go with Florida State pretty handily here. Yeah, I'm on that too. I, I went back and forth about this. Even that line at seven and a half points feels a little weird. You know, Boston College did put up a bunch of points, and they probably can give Florida State a little bit of a game, but uh, talent wise, it's just too much. Um, I pick Florida State. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to pick Boston College, the ghost of Matt Ryan, and all the points that they did try to score last week, and go with uh, Steve Adazio and his Boston College Eagles. That's the lock of the week. <laughs> No this, no, this next one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, do that, do that sound effect again so I can cap. I like, I like our soundboard better yes, than theirs. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So what this actually might be the lock of the week. Uh, Saturday night, no, not Saturday night, Saturday afternoon. Why would they put this game on at night in primetime? Saturday afternoon, high noon kickoff, the Illinois fighting Illini at the UNC Tar Heels. Will, what do you got? I don't need to hear this this snark about why they would put this game in prime time for crying out loud. This is this is Illinois. This is this is Illinois, the best scoring defense in the country, Illinois, I might add. They're averaging one point five points a game, which is gonna make 
this is going to make the, this for a really weird scoreline. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, think, I, think, I think I think Vegas is just like they're yeah. like, okay, magic eight ball. Let's let's see what we got here. You know, it's funny. The line that we have listed on our page here is ten point five. That's actually about seven. It's actually not that high. Yeah, it's close. It's yeah, close. Yeah, it's definitely not that high. You know, it's weird. Illinois really hasn't played anybody uh, either. Uh, they played FCS Western Illinois, and they played Kent State, who is a not is 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 a particularly bad. <clears throat> Mac team. It's not like they beat a, a world power like Toledo or anything. You are not. You are not going to make fun of the Mac in front of me. I'm not. I'm saying. Listen, I, 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 I would not in front of you. He's I, in Los Angeles. I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't up, I wouldn't upset Bert. I wouldn't upset Bert. I would never uh, uh, offend. But I have to say, I'm optimistic, man. Like North Carolina looked. I have to say, they, they had chances to win that game against South Carolina, but South Carolina still looked like they might have been a slightly better team. And South Carolina stinks. <laughs> so, so, like, you know, there, there's a lot of – it's very strange to look at this game and realize that the team that fired its coach right before – like a week before the season seems to actually be under in less turmoil right now. North Carolina, there's a lot of pressure on the head coach there. I don't know if I can pick Illinois in this game. But do I? I think it's a tight game. It's a high-scoring game. I think that's that's the major thing. The, the, I think I do think North Carolina is going to score more than one point five points. I think that's a fair assessment in this game. You know what? I'm here. This could be the start of something beautiful. I am picking Illinois to go three and zero, and then lose next week when I am when I am there and in Champaign at home to Middle Tennessee State. But I do think I am picking Illinois in this game. Wow! I am. I tell you what, I, I like you know. I one of my favorite favorite places to be is around excited Illinois fans. I was actually there for the uh, Rose Bowl uh, year. Uh, that was the same day. That matter of fact, when when the line I beat Ohio State, that was the same day as the blackout against Auburn oh, yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, and the only reason I remember that is that we were playing a softball tournament there at the Illinois Law School. So it was actually the season in tournament. And it was like forty one degrees. And I brought a TV, and people kept trying to put on an Ohio State-Illinois game. And I'm like, no, I brought the TV. We are going to watch Georgia-Auburn. Uh, You're like, I'll fight you. Uh, and I think I did, some people. But uh, having said all that, well, you know, here's the thing about Illinois and the, the schedule they have played up to this point. They have looked really good. The cubic crazies was a real thing. And you're right. It really feels like Tim Beckman was, the, was it, what was holding his team back. I, honestly, I mean, I don't say that lightly either because when he was let go, I was like, good gracious. You know, had been had happened four games in, five games in, it would have had a little bit of the feel of Kiffin getting fired at USC and the team rallying around, you know, and that sort of thing. But tell you what, I got to pick Illinois too. Yeah. And, and I say that, I say that with clear eyes and a full heart because. North Carolina is in the same turmoil, I think. Larry Fedora, if he didn't get it together, is gone, which is crazy. When they hired him, I would have thought, man, North Carolina's about to make a comeback. Um, you know, I don't, it's hard to say how much that scandal, the academic scandal, has affected them. So I'm picking the line I. Drive for seven. Drive for seven. Say that drive again. For, drive for seven. It's a drive for seven. Say it again. I, you know, just loop okay. me. Well, you were cutting out. That I wasn't trying to patronize you. Oh. <laughs> okay. Drive for seven. Drive for seven. Drive for seven. Drive for seven. You know, for this game, I met Will a little over two years ago, and he showed up at a friend of mine's house when Georgia played at Clemson at night. And he sat there with me, drinking beer, 
rooting as hard as he could for the dogs. And, you know, that night was the night where not a good night. fell. And it was not a good game. It was very disappointing. But, you know, he and I barely knew each other, and he had my back. I've known Will now for over two, two and a half years. So I've got his back. I'm also picking Illinois to upset North Carolina in Chapel Hill with North Carolina. I'm going to predict they're going to wear their black helmets you know, you and know, not intimidate Illinois. You know who's cheering a lot right now is UGA Carey because she knows her first place is not in any danger because all three <laughs> of the hosts of the podcast <laughs> picked Illinois. Hey, this is Scott, and I needed to interrupt this podcast real quickly because what you're about to hear after this was due to technical difficulties. Will's Wi-Fi signal in his hotel went out, so we were struggling to get him reconnected, and so the only way Tony and I could figure out how to get him back on the podcast was to actually hold my iPhone up to my microphone as we were talking. So Will's vocals are going to be a little bit degraded uh, over the next 15 to 20 minutes as we end up our show and give our picks. So just a quick heads up. Now, back to the show. So I'm going to hold you up nice and snugly to my um, microphone. It's almost like you're sitting in the same chair with me. So yeah, we all pick LSU over Auburn. Is that correct? That's, that sounds right. Uh, Will, you you want to pick the Fighting Gus Malzons? Yeah, it's weird. You know, part of me wants to give, I'm not going to give Auburn a mulligan exactly, but certainly, you know, it is weird to think, because I think what Auburn is, I don't know if the line is there, but I think LSU's favored by three or four or whatever, maybe even a little bit more. I, but, I, I like, think it's spread. Take away, that, take away that Jacksonville State game, which they won, by the way. They obviously deserved to win. But take away that game. Like, seven days ago, we thought Auburn was going to, Auburn would have been favored in that game. Like, I, I know that obviously we didn't like what we felt from Auburn last week, but the notion that somehow Auburn is now just terrible. I think there's a, there's a tendency to overreact in these situations sometimes. So I'm still picking LSU, but I have a lot less confidence than I think a lot of people do. All right, so that takes us to Georgia Tech at Notre Dame. That game will be played at 3.30 on Saturday as well. Did, did I see Heinz Ward doing a Notre Dame broadcast the other day on NBC? Well, if you saw college football on NBC, it was a Notre Dame broadcast. Yeah, and he was sitting there doing the pregame for, I don't know, that just struck me funny. Um, anyway, uh, Georgia Tech brings their Paul Johnson high-powered offense to Notre Dame, and they are rolling right now. And look, I am no fan of Georgia Tech, but I do respect what Paul Johnson gets out of those three-star and two-star recruits that he, he, he gets every year. They've got it rolling. Notre Dame, if Malik Zaire had not gone out, I would say that Notre Dame would probably win by a touchdown, but I think Paul Johnson, just like how he did with Navy, is going to go into Notre Dame Stadium and upset the Irish. Well, actually, the Irish are underdogs, so I think he's just going to win, and he might win by about three points. It certainly looks like it's setting up for him, doesn't it? It really does. Like a week ago, Notre Dame is the talk of football, and everyone's so excited about him. Listen, you know, it is surprising to me that Notre Dame would not be favored in this game. Like, even with, even with Georgia Tech where they are, and theoretically speaking, if they can get this win, there's a very real possibility they're a top five team when they host Georgia <laughs> over, the, over Thanksgiving, which is really kind of a crazy thing. Because you assume that this was a game that was going to trip up Georgia Tech, and now they come into it favored. 
Uh, it certainly seems to be falling in their favor. I'm still picking them, but again, like the LSU game, I feel like it's also, we overreact to recent news sometimes. So I wouldn't surprise if they didn't take this, but I'm with low confidence. I'm going to take a little different track. You look at what Notre Dame did against uh, Virginia's rush game last week, and yeah, they're two different rushing games. I just this feels like a Notre Dame win to me, and I hate picking Notre Dame probably as much as I hate picking Georgia Tech. It's just when you look at it, kind of with a, a rational observation, I think Notre Dame just has a little better team, and that game being played in South Bend it kind of sways it for me. All right, the next game would have been a really exciting game to look forward to probably about 15 years ago. Oh, yeah, 2000 would have been a great game. Yeah, Nebraska at Miami. I say don't spend more than 30 seconds of airtime discussing this game. I have no idea who's going to win this. Nebraska could very well go down to Miami and and win, and Miami could very well beat Nebraska traveling halfway across the country to come play him. I'm going to go with Al Golden because he needs the victory more than Mike Riley. And, and I'll go with Nebraska because I think it's like take away that hail Mary. Nebraska's two and zero. Everyone likes Riley, the new coach. Everyone's more excited. Everyone's freaked out about Golden. And Nebraska's probably favorite. I think Nebraska wins this game. And frankly, I think they're going to win it pretty easy. Yeah, I'm with you, Will. I, I felt the same way. It's like you, know, you take away that hail Mary against a team, a BYU team that's looking much, much better by the week. They they beat BYU, so I I got to pick Nebraska too. All right, uh, South Carolina, Georgia. I'm taking Georgia on the points. Simple as that. Wow, 17 and a half points. You know, I'm going to pick Georgia's too. I, don't, I have no no doubt whatsoever about, about taking Georgia. I don't really care about the points. It, no, you know, I don't can, care either, but I will take them. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, this can be one of those 30 for 30, two nothing Georgia wins, and I will walk away happy. I am not one of those Georgia fans that need style points to be happy. I'll take 13 of these sons of guns because, uh, you know, you just win and move on. That's the way I feel about it. Now, Coach Rick called for a red out. You don't think he'd flip the script and put the black jerseys on or something like that? Or no. Are they holding that for later in the year? No. I, well, I hope I hope Coach Rick has better things to do than to listen to this podcast. But, Coach Rick, if you're listening to this podcast, don't listen to Scott about jerseys, please. I, I love the, the look <laughs> of, the red, of the black yeah. jerseys. Well, eventually, eventually the two of you are going to fight over the black jerseys. <laughs> like, a fight is coming. <laughs> I, I'm just more into the – maybe it's because I'm married to a, a fashion – blogger and makeup blogger i tend to tend to appreciate the finer things in, in college football well i mess with the nicest jerseys i am married in football. to a decorator and i couldn't get him <laughs> touche will touche uh, I, yeah. I'm, I'm married to a lawyer so i really could well, kill crap tony, tony did have a good point and i can i wholeheartedly agree with him he said why mess with the best college uniform and in, in sports or football uniform in college sports i totally agree I, in my completely unbiased opinion georgia has the best helmets, jersey, pants combination of anybody in the country. So you think Georgia's going to win, Will, or we're just yes, I okay. do think Georgia's going to win. Okay, and, 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 and both in both football and in pants. Good. So they win the fashion. I mean, by the way, South Carolina's helmets is all uh, is. Listen to me. I'm talking like uh, never mind. South Carolina's helmets are all jacked up anyway. All right. So Colorado at the Fighting Mike Bobos. Hey, Bobo almost won that one last week. Good for him, man. That yeah. was a huge win. I thought they, I thought they uh, had one. Pulled it off. Yeah, I was impressed. I think they're going to beat Colorado. I, I don't think Colorado's very good. And Colorado State clearly on the way up. I got to tell you, I know Colorado's favorite, but I like Colorado State in that game. And, man, he's, he kind of looks like he got himself in a good situation. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, Will. I think Colorado State wins this game. I actually think they win it big. This is one, This falls in the rivalry game uh, grouping, although having Mike Bobo there makes it a little more interesting to me, too. 
but I just think they have a little too much firepower. Colorado is a, just a wow, um, wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go Rams. Good luck to Bobo. I think that game's being played in Denver. Don't they play that at uh, Invesco Field? Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. I think you're right. Fighting Texas Red Raiders of Cliff Kingsbury. Is the, he still the coach there? The I guess, best dressed man in college hey, athletics. This this game here, Texas Tech was awful last year. I don't know anything about Texas Tech, but I would guess that that he might not be on that long of a leash anymore. The Kingsbury uh, uh, presidency oh. over at Texas Tech in Arkansas. I thought we were talking about Burt. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, no, but that, but that's what I was setting up. In Arkansas, with Brett Belima, I mean – Gosh, how do you recover from that, Will? I know, I, I know I'm always wary of reacting too much to one game, even if it's a home loss to Toledo. Remember, Arkansas outgained Toledo by like 200 yards in this game. I think we are, I think Arkansas is not actually this horrible team, but I think we think they are. Things went weird for them last week, and I don't think they're, they're, they're the top-tier contender that we were hoping, but I think they're going to blow away Well, I got to disagree with you. I just feel like the Texas Tech's going to go in there. It's going to be a close game. I don't think it's going to be, you know, look at look at it this way. It's this isn't this isn't the Mike Leach Texas Tech. Their offense is going to actually do a better job at moving the ball up and down the field than than Arkansas cuz Arkansas still has some there are reasons why they started throwing the ball as much as they did. The the reason is is that after they lost Williams, uh, their running options are not nearly what they wanted them to be, and they're not nearly as dynamic running the ball. I'm, I'm taking Texas Tech. It's a close one, but I'm still taking Texas Tech. I have no opinion on this game. I you know I really don't care about it. I mean I'm just being honest with everybody. How, how about the jersey? <laughs> I I don't know what they're gonna wear. I don't care what they're gonna wear. Arkansas bores me. I mean they've got that huge <laughs> offensive line. You know, they were talking about him last year when they when Georgia went out there and Georgia blew doors on him. I don't trust Belima. So I'm going to pick uh, Texas Tech and the most handsome man in college football, Cliff Kingsbury. Anyway, moving on. The hair of Jim McElwain is going against Mark Stoops and his uh, 2-0 Kentucky Wildcats. And this game is going to be played in Kentucky. Florida is favored by a field goal. And I'm going to go ahead and make my pick on this. Florida got a tongue lashing last week from their coach for acting like 18, 19, 20-year-olds act. I mean, you know, but still it was somewhat inappropriate. All that being said, I'm going to take Florida crushing Kentucky's dreams, even though that game is going to be a night game, and it will be electric up in Kentucky, and you will be able to see all of the Kentucky players from space because they'll probably be wearing their uh, silver helmets. Those chrome helmets. Will, what do you got? I, you know, picking up your thing about that tirade, I'm sorry, my way was a jackass. <laughs> I mean, for crying out loud, the idea to have that sort of reaction on national television. Like, I'm sorry, but this is, like, you can tell me all you want about, like, oh, back in my day, coaches did work. But I'm sorry, who comes back off the better in that situation? Uh, yes. An 18-year-old kid who has, like, a brief moment <clears throat> where, he gets a little, where he gets a little overtime, does something dumb, or the coach who screams like an idiot, for 15 minutes, and I have to say, I don't. I didn't really know Magdalene was going, uh, that much going into this game. I that is not my kind of coach, man. <laughs> and and, and I, I think he didn't so much apologize for it as much as say that like my mom said I shouldn't have done. It, I may have overreacted a little bit. But I, I got to tell like you know, in an age where these guys, are, these players are not getting paid, making millions and millions of dollars for these coaches, the idea of that you would belittle a guy on national television like that and act like a total lunatic. I got to tell you, I, 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 we need some good, solid, fresh hate for the new Florida coach. That was a good way to do it for me. Uh, that's it, I can do Kentucky. <laughs> oh, Florida will be Kentucky? Yes. 
Okay. Well, you know, my take on that is that, you know, I agree with you, Will. McElwain, that was a terrible look for him. I get the sentiment. But, you know, the way you handle that is the way Lou Brown did in Major League. You pull him aside and say, hey, great play. Don't ever blankety-blank do it again. Uh, and, And that's all you have to say because at that point, you have the team's attention. All that being said, you know, Florida's offense still is struggling. They were a gift fumble away from uh, East Carolina putting, you know, having a shot at, at tying them up or beating them. And, and, you know, Kentucky comes off this emotional win. The hard part about it for me is figuring out, okay, which one is more real? The Kentucky team that played really, really well on the road against uh, a South Carolina team with their backs against the wall or the Florida team that played really, really good defense when it looked like they were going to lose at home. Um, having said that, I got more confidence in Kentucky right now, um, particularly after seeing Michael Wayne's tirade. So I'm going to pick the Wildcats. Yeah, Tulls is a good quarterback, so good. That might be a good call. Mississippi, gosh, they've scored a lot of points and they've played. They've scored all the points. They've scored as many points as 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 Illinois hasn't allowed. (laughs) Yeah. So Mississippi with a real game day is coming here. Mississippi is in Tuscaloosa. They are uh, about a touchdown underdog. This game has Nick Saban written all over it. Nick Saban has Mississippi right where he wants them. You know, to me, the, the reason I'm picking Alabama to win this game, Mississippi could have had Dr. Bo an extra year. <laughs> uh, putting him on this team, uh, I think, puts them at the level where they can win, they can win at Alabama. I'm not sure that they're uh, – they need, they need a quarterback to step up more. I think uh, he necessarily can. But, man, I, you, I mean, Mississippi's got a lot of talent, man. <laughs> like, regardless of, of who they play in the 70 points, there's a lot of talent on that team. I think Mississippi hangs in there a little bit, but Alabama, I think, I can see a mistake for the quarterback at the end. Because, and, and the type of mistake you can't make against Alabama. So I'll, I'll, pick, I'll pick Alabama to win, but I definitely think it's close yeah, I think going into the season, the question on with Ole Miss is will they be able to score points? And clearly they've showed they, they've been able to. Now, it's been against dicey competition, although Fresno State isn't necessarily a pushover. I mean, they're not Pat Hill Fresno State anymore, but still, they're still a decent football team. And having said that, uh, you know, I think I, I, I'm somewhere in the middle. Uh, you know, I feel like there's going to be a good game. It's probably going to be kind of tight for a long time. I think Alabama wins because, you know, Nick Saban has circled this game and you know, he, he kind of has had, has, you know, j- joint nightmares uh, slash uh, very, very dirty dreams about what he's going to do with his defense against uh, Ole Miss. Um, and, and we're going to end up at the end of the game with Hugh Freeze face uh, replacing Tom Green face, Alabama. <laughs> dirty dreams. Is that what you said? Uh, very dirty dreams. Um, you know what? I want to say one thing. Alabama. Hosting Mississippi, Alabama's going to win. My cousin went to Alabama. I support him, Alabama, by 17 points. Shout out to you, Kevin. All right, last game on the docket, BYU. Wow, are they impressive at UCLA. Will, what do you think? You know, I kind of like this new school of thought that's coming now, that BYU is actually better with their new quarterback. <laughs> the idea that, like, you know, everybody uh, – uh, loves the senior, but now you know you've got Joe Corbett that's got really a little bit more he can do. But I like the huge team of BYU. There's been a lot of great pub for BYU. I love. I feel there's very they're very old school in their scheduling, which is really kind of exciting. You'd like to see a team do it like that. But I don't think they win this game. I'm I'm, I'm thinking he's 
Yeah, if if they were going to play just the last three minutes of the ball game, it would be BYU by twenty one. Regretfully, Josh Rosen's going to have three and three quarters quarters to play against that BYU defense. Uh, UCLA win. I agree, Tony. And uh, Will, did you pick UCLA? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say. Okay. So I do agree with both of you. Um, yeah, Josh Rosen's been impressive. I think basically it's what we're going to be watching next year when the next coming of Matthew Stafford comes to Georgia. Yeah, I think I, Rosen is a really impressive quarterback, and he's got some tools around him, a decent uh, a decent back. And I think when Jacob Beeson gets here, that's exactly what we're going to see next year. So I'm going to go with UCLA as well. This, I, mean, I guess Fox Sports 1 has this game. Yes, yeah, it's part of the Pac-12 package. It's a shame that this is on so late at 1030 Eastern because – I mean, I would bill this as like a prime time eight o'clock game, and well, it's kind of snuck up on them. It is prime time in the West Coast. <laughs> I stand it's corrected. Prime time for me, if I'm still here. If you're still there, but you better you better be here. We got some chicken to eat. Will I'll be here. I'll be here. I'll be back. So that's all of our games. Make sure to get your picks in. As Tony said, this you'll probably be hearing this podcast sometime on Thursday. So get them in before the Clemson Louisville game kicks off at seven thirty that night. Scott, I, w- I want to add one thing about Georgia, South Carolina. Yeah. I just keep thinking about, and it's something I posted a little bit on today, is that we're actually seeing the past two games, and this is something Blutarski had get the picture posted to. This is we're seeing the past two games, kind of what we saw in two thousand two and two thousand three, where we knew our defense was really just that good to keep us in the games, and we wanted to do just enough to win offensively. You know those Musa Smith games, those teams where we just you know put hand the ball and put the gut, put the gut of the huge running back and let him do his thing. Now, having said that, I don't think we're just going to get away with just all that against South Carolina. We could, and if we jump out to a ten point lead against South Carolina, it's like we're churning up the field. We're not going to see anything different. I think Georgia fans need to be prepared for that because Mark Rick will much, much rather win a ball game by 10 points than impress his fans because he knows at the end of the day that he's got to win ball games. Because if he goes out there and lets Schottenheimer sling it around or Lambert sling it around, and Lord knows we saw what happened last year when we tried to get fancy, um, you know, he's going to be in a tough situation. He wants to win this football game, and people need to remember that. Okay, anybody out there that thinks Mark Rick doesn't care about winning does not has not paid attention to anything about this man's career since he went to Boca Raton High School. And with that, I think you just put a stamp on this uh, podcast, and that was a very good point. Uh, you know, I'm nodding my head as you're talking the whole time. I think you're exactly right. I mean, if we could win this game, the next game, Alabama, whatever, by just running the ball, running old school SEC Georgia SEC football, hey, let's do it. Yeah. Pretend, pretend Buck Blue's back there, handing it to Herschel. I'm cool with that. Yeah. I'll uh, see you guys both on Saturday. Sounds good. Thanks, man. All right. Take care. And thanks for listening to the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. If you're hearing us via iTunes, if you could take a couple minutes and rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast, that would be awesome. Make sure to enter our Week 3 Pick'em Contest. You can find it on the front page of funofficepools.com. Just look for our podcast logo, or you can get the link from Tony on his website, georgiasports.blogspot.com. Reach out to us via Twitter at WSLS Podcast, or should you want to tweet us at our individual handles, you can do that too. For me, it's at Jawavi Films. That's J-A-W-A-V-I Films. You can bug Tony at Tyler Dogden. That's T-Y-L-E-R-D-A-W-G-D-E-N. And Will's is easy. His is at William F. Leach. So that's it for today. Have a great weekend. Good luck to your respective teams, and we'll see you on campus.